You are now listening to episode 13 of Running for Office, the podcast. I'm your host, Claudia Zapata. And it feels good to be back. Hi, everyone. I know it's been a a couple of weeks of a hiatus. Um, That's what we'll call it for now. Um, I do feel like I owe y'all an explanation. Uh, Long story short, well, actually, I'm going to go into the story. But I will start off by saying that um, I am a homeowner Um, and that just feels so weird to say because I never thought that it would actually happen. And I know that sounds really dramatic and y'all probably think I'm exaggerating, but honestly, I did not think that it was an actual possibility for me unless my mama bought a house with me and she sold her house and then we used that as a down payment. Um, but I am very lucky to be in the position that I'm that I'm in um, with my partner to be able to get a house right now. Let me start off by saying that house hunting right now is is I feel like the most difficult thing that I have done since applying to 17 universities. And that was really fucking hard, y'all. Um, and the amount of stress, uh, the amount of tears that I shed, the amount of panic attacks that I've had over the course of the last month have been absolutely insane. And I just about crawled up the walls because I just couldn't take it. If you are not currently in the buyer's market, Basically, all over the United States, there is a lumber shortage, and this is causing lumber prices to increase tenfold. Now, what this means, and I'm going to try my best to explain it. So if you are a if you work within the construction industry, I am so sorry if I just totally mess this up. But this is the way that I understand it. So as lumber prices increase, and they're fluctuating so much on a day-to-day basis, it's hard for builders to go out and buy lumber and know exactly how much it's going to cost um, in the future because technically they're only able to buy a certain amount at a price right now. And then in a month, it may be at an even higher price, but they can't, they don't really know that until they actually go out to the market to purchase it. Um, and this has caused, I think nationwide from an article that I read about a $16,000 increase um, on the prices of houses. Um, the way that that is actually reflecting within the Austin or greater Austin area market is that it's shot up housing prices by, and I wish I was exaggerating when I said this, but about 70, 80, at some points, 100,000 above market price um, for the home. Uh, So you better be ready to pay way above asking 
waive your appraisal. So even if the house isn't going to be valued that much, you better be ready to still pay whatever that lapse is. You better be ready to literally fight um, for a spot um, in order to get a home because actually most builders right now are drawing, like actually drawing names like out of a bucket on Zoom. And they're like, okay, guys, um, out of the 167 of you who have signed up and are on a waiting list, we only have three homes to give away this month. Um, and they're all preset. So you can't really choose and you have to be ready to pay the amount that we're going to put on them. But we can't give you all the amounts until the day of. And that's the same time that we're going to ask you if you want this house or not. Um, so it's been nothing but a headache, terrifying. Um, we thought that we had found a house. It was truly my dream backyard. I just, this backyard, y'all, I just, oh my God, it was just gorgeous. It like went down into like a story below it. Cause there was a retention wall and they were going to put stairs leading down and it was going to be like my own personal little park. However, um, we put our names on the waiting list like mid-January, like early-ish January. Um, and by the time that we signed up, they had actually put a stop on writing contracts. So then my anxiety was like, oh, snap. So we're not going to get a contract for this house um, until February. So then February 1st comes along and we didn't get a contract and I was like, okay, so does this mean I have to wait until March? Like what's going on? Come to find out that there was a $60,000 price increase on the home on February 1st. And there was going to be another price increase of some varying amount on March 1st. And that's when I was going to be able to finally get a contract um, with all that said and done, that just put us really past our price range, um, our comfortable price range, at least. And so we had to go off and look in in the southern markets, I guess that's what you would call them, the southern greater Austin area markets. Um, because if you're looking in Pflugerville, Round Rock, Maynard, Leander, uh, Georgetown, even, good luck. <laughs> And, and I like, I mean, I honestly mean that like good luck. Um, even in Buda, things are sold out. Kyle is going up exponentially um, in, in housing prices along with Buda. San Marcos is starting to feel that as well. Niederwald area too. Um, it's just such a crazy market. With all that being said, once again, I am a homeowner and Come this summer, hopefully, that's the guesstimated timeline for now, um, I will be calling Kyle, Texas home for the next, insert however many years long here. Um, and I am very, like, I'm, I, honestly, I was a little bit taken aback by having to move out to Kyle because I've just, I've known Austin my whole life. Um, but Kyle has always been somewhat of a second home to me as well because I was I was raised there in the early 2000s to mid 2000s as we were driving around the the city and the town uh like the inner old hometown Kyle areas 
I just saw so much change and growth. And there there were things that I remembered being there, then things that I was like, oh, they completely renovated that or they completely changed that up. Um, so it's nice to be able to come back to it and really see all of the growth and the beauty that it has to it um, because it's always been such a cute small town but now it's starting to get bigger and flourish more and in all honesty I think it is going to be the next Austin. Um, Austin has completely changed from what it was uh, when people think about like the good old you know Austin Texas keep Austin weird it it is not that anymore Um, and I honestly think that Kyle is going to be is going to fill those shoes Um, And with that being said, I feel that we have this opportunity to look at everything that has gone wrong with Austin development and protect the communities within Kyle as the market and economy around there just booms. Um, So I think that it is a good time for me to be moving there um, to be able to help protect those communities and to really give them a voice and help them organize their voice and make sure that they are listened to because you there are really strong players within those areas within Hayes County especially that are often neglected and that just pisses me off so I'm ready all my Hayes County friends I'm ready to to stand by your side to elevate you to help you organize to do whatever it is that we need to do to protect that county One way that I feel that we can actually learn from our mistakes um, as far as what we've seen happen in Austin is we need to actually hold our reps accountable for real tangible change. I mean, accountable to their promises that they make, but actually hold them accountable for introducing bills and policies that actually trickle down into our communities. I mean, having a broad platform is great, but there are so many quote unquote small policies or laws that can be much more easily accomplished than these very far reaching, very broad platform points. And those smaller things are generally those that will trickle down into those communities, into our communities, that we can actually feel and reap the benefits of those changes. For example, pushing for the Green New Deal is great and I support it wholeheartedly. But at the same time, we can also ensure or somehow create a pipeline for current oil and gas workers to receive support and priority treatment in the building, maintenance, and design of green technology. Because the fact of the matter is that you can't just crap all over oil and gas field workers for working in that industry because it's the one that pays them and that allows them to take care of themselves and their families. Another example, we hear a lot about getting rid of up to 50k in student loans, which is another great measure that has my full support. However, ridding that debt does not automatically make borrowers have 50k in their wallets. The average student loan borrower 
pays $393 per month, according to the Federal Reserve as of February 2020. $393 a month doesn't do too much in today's economy. For real. And I'm, that's not me being pessimistic. That's me being realistic. In order for us to be able to feel the full effect of ridding borrowers of that student loan debt, we need to push our reps to solve the issues at the forefront of the student debt crisis. And this means like making things easier to be identified as independent on the FAFSA application, increasing the wage cap on the FAFSA to account for a $15 an hour minimum wage, getting rid of the minimum wage for tipped employees, and just setting a standard dollar standard amount of $15 an hour across the board. And I have so many more ideas that I have written down that relate to actual achievable policies. I find that many politicians and politically involved folks love shoving this idea of strategy down our throats, that we have to be smart about when we introduce a bill or who we hold accountable or when we run for office or who we run against. My response is, who the fuck says so? Do you think that the millions of people who have died from COVID would appreciate our strategic plays on when and how we ask for vaccines? Do you think that the struggling mother of two who works a desk job for $12 an hour can afford to strategize and wait for her reps to find the right time and a way to introduce a bill that helps her? If you come to me and tell me that I need to be strategic with how I go about my campaign, bye. If you come to me and tell me that I shouldn't run against someone because it's not my time, bye. If you tell me that I shouldn't run, period, even bigger bye. Got a little heated there. And I want to preface this next bit by saying that I am not stepping away from running for office. You will see me in a race come 2022. Now, I have been slow moving on this podcast and on my campaign possibility because of home buying. I truly had no idea where it was going to live. So I didn't want to start going to war when I didn't even know where my home base would be. Luckily, I won't be too far away from Austin and nestled in that lovely city of Kyle. There has been a lot of uncertainty about the timing of my running for office, about me running a congressional campaign, and about the ability to fund my campaign during a redistricting year. At the end of the day, I am not into running for office because of some ego trip. I am in it because I have seen and continue to see true suffering at the hands of our government, and I would hate myself if I didn't step in to do something about it. I have decided to take a step back and really deep dive and research on where my passion is most needed. Is it at the local level, state, federal? I am going to explore my options over the coming months. So for now, I have decided that I am not going straight for Texas 35 against Lloyd Doggett. I may still end up challenging him in the primaries, but at this point, I can't say that with 100% assurance, but I promise you, I will be here. I am still here and I will be there for you in 2022 in some way. 
because we don't have time to wait. Our communities don't have time to wait. I have been waiting so long to be able to be in the position that I am in now because I strongly believe that we ultimately need to change the way that we see politics. Fuck strategy. I have never been allowed to be strategic because as a poor person of color, coming from a single mother household, I have had to fight for my mediocre life. I can't wait for a seat at the table to open up for me or else I would still be waiting. And my fellow women of color know that feeling all too well. Instead, I'm gonna pull up a chair at the head of the table and drive the conversation. Just you watch me.